0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to this very special, uh, uh, we're, we're doing a Pro Bowl recap edition of the John Frisella show here on the John Fris- on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I brought with me Jared Berry and John Frisella. Both of them are on the show today, so we can recap everything that happened last weekend in the Pro Bowl, guys. Is that what
1: we're doing today? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, I forgot there even was a Pro Bowl. I don't even know. I mean, it's the biggest waste in all of the professional sports in terms of the all-star games, but uh, th- thankfully we're not doing that, but it sounded pretty good. You had me convinced for a second.
0: Well, John, we had to bring our buddy J.B. Barry on uh, the podcast because his Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl, and we do like to be a little bit different on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, but we've got to cover the Super Bowl, and that's why we brought J.B. in because he is our authority on all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome to the show, J.B.
2: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, my guys. Cool to be up here with you guys. I know we've we've done a show together when we did our draft earlier in the season. So coming full circle right before the Super Bowl hanging out with you guys. Let's do it. Uh John, I, J-
1: I'm just happy for JB, man. That's I, I'm just pumped. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what that's like actually being in a Super Bowl. <laughs> can, you, can you believe that? I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I don't even know what my team being in the Super Bowl is. I've never experienced it. So I, I'm psyched for JB.
2: See, wow. I, I experienced it once but I, it wasn't the same. Like, you know, I, I wasn't involved in the industry the way I am now. I, I don't have my own couch and big TV to watch it. The last time the Bucks won the Super Bowl, I watched it at Billy Weitzman's Underground Poker Club. So let's put it that <laughs> way.
1: <laughs> I wish we were playing, man. Those are the good old days playing cards. You know? Yeah, I remember that was, that was Brad Johnson, right? It was like a uh, game manager, Brad Johnson, Trent Dilfer type of team, something like that.
2: Exactly. It was the Brad Johnson team, but it was a defense led team. And, and the defense is what got us back here again. Everybody, you know, yes, Tom Brady was, was a piece to put the books over the top. And you know about Evans and Godwin and whatnot. But our defense has played outstanding. And once again, that was the formula that got us back to the Super Bowl.
1: You know, it's funny because I was thinking about Wes also. Wes, the first team that came to mind for you was the Rex Grossman team. So what, what is it with our three teams? The furthest the Jets ever went was with Mark Sanchez. What I can think of for Wes, obviously he had the good teams in the 80s, but the most recent team was Rex Grossman at quarterback going to the Super Bowl and getting beat by the Colts, if I recall. And, that, and JB's winner was Brad Johnson. So wh- there's all this talk about franchise quarterbacks. But Wes, tell me a little bit about that Bears team with Rex Grossman.
0: Well, when you were saying that your Jets had never made it, and I heard JP talking about his Buccaneers making it, and you know, we're real happy for him, and I started thinking about, well, man, I've had two Bears teams in the Super Bowl in my lifetime. You know, I go all the way back to the 85 Bears, and they talk about that being one of the better teams of all time, but really, it was one of the better defenses of all time, right? That's That was the thing that kind of uh, if you, pardon the pun here for me loafing it on Twitter, uh, that's how the bread was buttered though, right? It had a strong running game, it had a, a super defense, and that's how it, we actually got to the Super Bowl. That's how we went through the playoffs like a buzzsaw. And then you think about that Bears team, like you said, being led by Rex Grossman. Once again, a solid running attack, a super defense with Brian Urlacher back there. And I was actually thinking about that this morning. Is that, in your opinion... John and JB, is that, in your opinion, the winning formula for everything in the NFL, in the Super Bowl era? That it needs a strong running game, a game manager as far as a quarterback goes, or maybe it's somebody who doesn't turn the ball over, of course, and then a very strong defense. I was even thinking back to the Kansas City Chiefs team last year, and I know Patrick Mahomes is the all star, the super stud, but he even said. That Williams deserved the MVP, you know, the little running back that really shined last last year. And that defense, man, that defense can 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 tighten it up a notch or two. I was just wondering your thoughts on that. Is that what it takes to have a winning formula for the Super Bowl?
1: You know, it's a scary question for me right now because I feel like that's the way that Joe Douglas is leaning with the Jets. I feel I'm hearing a lot of chatter like he's almost resisting all this talk about Deshaun Watson and giving up assets for a franchise quarterback. Uh, I'm concerned that that's the thought in his mind, right? With his background, a lot of people are saying he's interested in like a Garoppolo type 49ers team or the way the Rams were when they made their run with Jared Goff who's not with them anymore, but almost like not a franchise quarterback superstar level, almost like a mid-level quarterback and then using your assets at other positions. So I'm concerned because my answer to the question is I'd much rather have the elite franchise quarterback and then fill in the other spots because a lot of times it comes down to the last two three minutes of the game and your quarterback has to make the throws and they just have to put the ball on time and all that other stuff kind of goes out the window when it gets to winning time so I, I'm concerned I, it feels like the Jets are going that way uh, my answer to the question is I'd rather have the franchise stud what about you JB
2: well we've seen it play out with the game manager I mean look at the the Baltimore team that that won it with Trent Dilfer and you know it, it's I think you have to have the appropriate defense in order to make that work. And I don't think that, you know, you talk about the Jets being there. And, yeah, there's a couple of nice pieces on that defense. But they don't have the dominating forces like that Ravens team had, like my Bucks championship team had. I mean, you look at that Bucks team. It was Warren Sapp. It was Derrick Brooks. It was Rondé Barber. John Lynch. Simeon Rice. Booger McFarlane. Like, it was studs. Like, it was legit. Studs on defense. So Brad Johnson really didn't have to do that much. The running back wasn't a Hall of Fame running back. It was Michael Pittman. It was Michael Pittman Sr. So, I mean, he had an okay season, stepped up in the playoffs, had some good games in the playoffs. But I think that, you know, if you have the right defense, like if it's one of those shut down top. You know, historical defenses, then yeah, you could win with a a Brad Johnson, a, a Sam Darnold. You know, you could do that. But if your defense is not that, you're not stopping a Patrick Mahomes. You're not stopping a Josh Allen, a Kyla Murray. So in this day and age, I don't think it'll work that well unless you have that elite defense because you're going to need to score to keep up with some of these elite offenses.
1: Well, it's, funny that, it's funny that you said that though, because I'm thinking in this game, what's your feeling? I know your defense is hot right now, but it's just a completely different animal when you're dealing with this chief's offense it is, is this defense able to continue at this level in this matchup, but me, I mean, we'll get into our picks later. I have my concerns. And you know how much I love the Bucs defense because I text you on the side about all the guys that I like on the Bucks team. However, <laughs> yep. I, it is a different animal. What, what's your feeling on the matchup in this particular game?
2: Well, that's the thing, John. I mean, it's, it's different than the situation I just said because, yes, it's not one of those elite defenses that I was talking about, but we also don't have Brad Johnson at quarterback. You know, we have more pieces on the offense and a better quarterback than a game manager. So I think that while the defense will be susceptible to some big plays and obviously is going to give up some points, I think the offense has enough to keep it close to stay in the game and to even win the game. Yes, the defense has been playing fantastic, but it's still a young secondary. It's still an unexperienced secondary that could be blinded by the big stage lights. I think that, you know, the last game that the Bucs played the Chiefs, it was a close game, but it I think it wasn't as close as the score showed because we remember that first half outburst by Tyree Kill, So we'll get into the matchups a little bit during the show, I'm sure. But I think that the defense, to answer your question, Johnny, is going to be good enough to slow them down a little bit. And again, we'll talk about why, because I don't think Mahomes is going to be as comfortable this week as he was last time.
1: Wes, how do you? what's your initial instinct? Like, J, like JB said, we'll get into the matchups a little bit more specifically, but when you, when you first think about this Tampa Bay defense in this particular matchup against the chiefs, the way that they're going to spread you out, I think we, I think they might be a little bit sneaky. I think we're going to see a little bit more of the run game going to get mixed in. I, I have like a vibe around the second quarter. You're going to see them slow this thing down and try to mix it up and try to keep Tampa on their toes. What, what's your instinct about this Bucks D against the chiefs in this spot?
0: the bucks defense has played outstanding in the playoffs i think a lot of things came together mostly their health has come together during the playoff time is what i is the way i take it uh, they've really been able to lock the offensive side of the ball down on the other team but here's the thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. We, we're thinking about Andy Reid with that bye week and that spectacular record that he has after having a week off to be able to prepare. CEH, Johnny, uh, he did have a tremendous, I thought he had a really good game that first time whenever they played against the Bucks. So I do think that they're going to be able to mix that in. And And I still say, whenever I see the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, Andy Reid, in the playoffs, he loves to lean on those running backs. I'm not going to say he's going to do that this time because he does have Patrick Mahomes instead of that in a you know, an a, a incredible year again. Just Patrick Mahomes is fantastic, so I know he trusts him with the world. I don't know if we're going to see as many gimmick plays, as many gadget plays from uh, the Chiefs as we've seen in the playoffs or even in the past, you know, those little flip passes to Kelsey. But I I hope that well, I hope for JB's sake that they do those plays because Tampa Bay is going to be prepared for that. Tampa Bay loves to gamble on defense, shoot those gaps, be prepared that they're playing out of their mind right now. So I don't know if the Kansas City Chiefs are going to do those trick plays to keep them off their toes. But I do think they lead heavily on the on the run game, like you said, John.
1: Well, that's funny what you said about the uh, the trick plays and the blitzes and whatnot because I guess you could say that my Jets made the Super Bowl with Todd Bowles. Head coach Todd Bowles <laughs> is in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm here, baby. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's t- I'm, I'm in a tough spot because I, I really do want to root for J.B., but the Chiefs are such a gravy train for me. And I've said it time and time again, you really got to pick your spots with them. If you like to play games, you know what I mean? Like, for example, when the Chiefs were down nine, nothing against the Bills. If you look at a live line on that game and you're getting them as a plus underdog, you're talking about free money right? So this is a team that delivers for you time and time again. So it's a tough spot. We're not at the picks yet, but I, I'm really in between because I want to root for JB. And I, it's easier for me to root for Tom on the Bucks than it was with New England because I was always so against them. Um, so this, this is going to be tricky, but at least my man Todd Bowles made it. Hey, <laughs> let me make sure
0: everybody knows uh, they're listening to Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am Wes Easley, your host at Loafin It on Twitter. You can also follow uh, JB Barry at Fantasy Coach JB. And don't forget to follow John Fursella at Legends Sports 7. You can also follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Now, JB, we, we you talked about circling back around, and this is one of the things, this is one of the teams that you said were going to make the Super Bowl, if not both.
2: You said both teams are going to make the Super Bowl before the beginning of the year, right? I did when we did our prediction show. I had a Bucks Chief Super Bowl, and here we are. I, I, I don't, I, I, John. Who did I have? Do you remember? I you, had.
1: You had the Bears and the Jets, if I recall. Which <laughs> you ended, up being, you ended up being spot on on that one.
2: You <laughs> actually had Chief Saints on our show, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's
1: that's what it was. It was Chief Saints, and I had Chiefs Rams because I wanted to at least have one team that didn't make the playoffs last year, so I went with the Rams.
0: Yeah, I like to be contrarian to like that. Uh, we're not we're not just going with the gravy trains like JP Now, uh, Tampa Bay, I thought was a great pick. And, you know, what I was thinking about was, well, how many years left Tom Brady has in his arm? And I, I I thought back to the game against the Bucks and the Saints. And we really saw a difference there between two veteran quarterbacks. One of them still has it. The other one does not anymore. Right. And we saw Drew Brees retire and we saw the velocity on the ball really be a, a thing that that was accentuated because I'll say Tom Brady doesn't have the strongest arm, but man, his accuracy is great. Drew Brees has great accuracy, but I mean, he had absolutely no strength on that arm anymore. I'll go to you first, John. How many years left do you think Tom Brady has?
1: If he wants to do it, he's got three or four years left. I mean, we'll see how he feels after this game. You know, it's funny. People get emotional. You play the whole year. You have a great season. Even when you're a legend like Tom Brady, if things don't go the way you want, When the game's over, you start to think about where you're at in your career. Like Philip Rivers, right? The Colts—they—they gave it a good fight, and then he's like, "Ah, that's it. I'm packing it in." Drew Brees—he basically had his mind made up before, but that game certainly didn't help. He was pretty beat up emotionally after that game. You don't know. Like these are guys that you expect to think about the big picture, and they—they have all this seasoning. And they've been through so much, but you don't know how you're going to react when you have an emotional situation when you lose. Not that the Bucs necessarily will, but of course we have that possibility. So we'll see. But if he wants to do it, he's got three to four years. But what I want to say is where did this arm strength thing come from with Tom Brady? I, I for my entire career watching football, I feel like he's had one of the strongest arms in the league. I still think on the intermediate throws up to about 22, 24 yards, uh, maybe that far, maybe a little bit less. I still feel like he's in the top ten in arm strength. JB, tell tell me where am I blind? Why why do I feel like he has such a strong arm? And people always say that he doesn't.
2: He does. He zips him in there, and there's been plenty of plays this year that I've seen him, you know, almost detrimentally try to zip one into a hole that's not really there. Um, or try to squeeze one in and the receiver not even expected because there really was no window there. Uh, I talked about it with Wes a couple of weeks ago in the, I think it was in the Saints game, he made a few bad decisions where he had to check down to Fournette for a few yards, but he tried to squeeze one in to Gronk or to Braid or to Godwin over the middle for you know an extra 10 yards and it really wasn't a good throw, but it didn't get picked off because he did still have the zip on his arm. I think all that talk about him not having arm strength last year was because he had nobody to throw the ball down down the field too so i that's where i thought it came from now that he's got evans and godwin and and scotty miller antonio he's got people that can go down the field he's throwing it he's throwing it baby and he's still got it
1: let's talk about the elephant in the room though at some point we got to talk about what this run by the bucks with tom brady says about belichick and the patriots because you just made the comparison to the team that he had last year and Tom is the same Tom. Maybe he's a little more fit because I know he's getting older and he does the regimen, the special regimen, and he works his butt off and he, he gets super fit. But other than that, it's the same guy as last year. And is, again, the arm looks pretty similar to me, uh, but that team fell short. And, and you at some point we have to make a decision. Does this season say enough? About the state of the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Brady, whoever wants to jump in, but we got to address that because everybody's talking about it. Is seven and nine from the Patriots indicative of who they are now without Tom Brady? And is this, is Tom Brady the reason why the Bucs went from seven and nine to uh, 11 and five? I mean, uh, whoever wants to jump in, but we we got to touch on that because people are asking me.
0: Uh, I definitely think that Tom Brady obviously is good for what, two, three, four wins a season? especially whenever you think about the New England Patriots and how they like to, in my definitions, outsmart the room, right? They're going to do it with lesser caliber players, not the superstar players that they've normally surrounded Tom Brady with. And I thought we saw it all kind of come to an end last season with the Patriots. And we see how much of an influence or how dramatic Tom Brady can have on a team of the, the win totals. And, when I think of Tom Brady, JB, and I'll let you address both of these things here, I think about his accuracy on deep throws being the thing that's lacking more so than the arm strength, JB. Uh, the arm, like you said, like you guys said, the, immediate, the intermediate throws are very strong, but it's that deep throw where I see him just being off. I don't know if that's a timing thing, if that's a age thing, because you just can't calculate it all very fast and everything, but, but JB, I'll let you address those Tom Brady things.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't really have that opinion because he has connected with his guys on some nice deep balls. I mean, look at the one at the end of the first half to Scotty Miller to, to go into halftime against Green Bay last the last game. So you know he does have that uh, ability to hit a guy in stride down the field. And yes, some of it is timing. Obviously, you know he and Mike Evans have missed each other on those type of plays a couple of times because they're they're not on the same page. As they would if they've been playing together for five, six years, or whatever it is. So you know, I I don't think that that's really a negative. Um, I think he's been able to hit it when it matters. And look, you're not nobody's going to hit it every time on the deep ball. You know, there's right. always going to be a little bit of a, a a short or a long that that's going to come from time to time. But I think he's done a pretty good job of of doing what's been asked of him. And Johnny, to answer your question, I mean the the difference between what made the Bucks, you know, a 10-win team or the championship team this year was Tom Brady. And it wasn't because he was Tom Brady or because he made a specific throw, but it was because he led the team, he made his teammates around him better, and he got them over the hump. You know, these last couple of years watching Bucks games, there's been so many games that we've lost by one score. And Jameis Winston just... Because of his turnovers or, or just because he wasn't able to get them over the hump, the Buccaneers lost those games. This year, the Buccaneers could win those games because Brady can lead you on that drive. Brady can get his guys hyped up. I mean, Wes and I had on Roy Cummings from, from uh, the Tampa Bay Beat Writer last week. And, and one of the things he said was that Brady is a guy that people could follow. The Bucks never had a guy that they could follow, that they could get behind in the locker room and say, you know, we want to work like this guy. We want to step up like this guy. We want to be a champion like this guy. So Brady just not only on the field, but in the locker room, on the practice field, he changed the mindset of this team and elevated them to the level that you see them playing at.
1: Yeah, so- yeah I just got I just started cringing because I was thinking about Jameis Winston's speeches. When he'd have the guys in the hut, you know what I'm talking about. We saw (laughs) him on hard knocks. You could go on YouTube and you could pull up any of these things. You could see his own teammates making fun of him. So if you're the quarterback of the team and everyone thinks you're corny, and no one feels like they can get behind you, even if it's just mental. Because physically, I mean, Winston, give him credit. He led the league in passing yards last year. He, We know he has the talent. He's got the arm talent. But there's so many things that are connected to it that you have to do to get the trust of your teammates. And those speeches are just so corny. I get sick to my stomach (laughs) thinking about it.
0: John, don't you think it's the talent level surrounding Tom Brady too? In Tampa Bay, you're talking about pro bowl caliber players on the offensive and defensive side. Last year, New England really seemed to be leaning heavily on the defense, but they wouldn't ever put anybody with Tom Brady to help him succeed. It always seemed like they, they, if anything, they were trying to sabotage him last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm concerned about that in general. am not concerned. I'm happy that the Patriots aren't a thing anymore. But <laughs> if you, if we back up, Do you remember the controversy with Garoppolo? That was a big deal. It was like, the, the Patriots decided in advance, certain people, Belichick being one of them, that they needed to start preparing for Brady to retire. Therefore, he wanted to keep Garoppolo around. And if I remember, it was Kraft. It was like, no, we, we got to stay with Brady because we can win now. We can't be worried about setting up for the future. But once you planted that seed in Brady's head, that he was replaceable, and then you don't put the pieces around him, it's sending the message that, okay, we're going to go as far as we can with what we got. And then we're kicking you out the door. And and to me, that doesn't make any sense because look where they are now. Right. And, and to me, it's all ego. That's, that's how I feel as much as I respect Belichick, I'm not going to throw him under the bus after everything that he's accomplished and just say this one year says everything as much as I want to say that. However, what it says to me is what you said, Wes, they think that the system is the answer. And at the end of the day, JB put it together there. It's not the answer when there's five minutes to go in the game and it's a back and forth game and you got to put the ball in your quarterback's hand. They got to get in the huddle. These guys got to look in his eyes and say, I know we can do it because it's Tom Brady. They're, they're not going to look at Cam Newton and they're not going to look at Jarrett Stidham and say, we can get this done. As a matter of fact, if the Patriots could have looked at Cam Newton that way, they would have won 10 games because they blew four games in the last two minutes with Cam Newton playing quarterback. They actually would have won 10 games, but the quarterback is the difference, not the system. As much as Belichick wants to believe that, that he could just plug in all these guys that are low-level guys or low-salary guys, and it's just going to work. It's not, because you're. it doesn't matter what team... You are. You're not going to beat teams by four scores. You're going to be in a game with ten minutes to go at least half the time and say we got to make the plays down the stretch. So you know it's it's a crazy the whole situation. It's wild. Uh, I feel great. I feel all warm and fuzzy inside that their ego between the two of them between Belichick and McDaniel's they have to be sitting in the dark right now. I just picture them in a dark room with the lights off, smoking cigars. And just being like, what happened, man? Nobody's talking about us. It's Super Bowl well, time. We went seven and nine, and we're not there.
2: Well, now they got their their third Musketeer back, Mr. Pencil. So they'll be all right now that they got Matty P back. Now the three <laughs> of them could smoke cigars together and try to figure out what to do next year. What but They're going to be Tom Brady coming back to them. that's for sure.
1: <laughs> what a disaster Detroit was. Talk about, you know, it's again, a lot of it, there's all these things between the lines that a lot, and that's why I always, you know, I don't use the term expert. I say analyst. There's a lot of these experts out there that are going to give you all the analytics, and it, it's great, and we like to take that information to account. We certainly don't discount that. But there's so many things between the lines when you're dealing with men that athletes know, right? And no offense to some of these guys, I know it for a fact because I speak to them personally and I know them from their history. Some guys in the Ivy League that I know that got into the business. Some guys that got jobs that never played. They don't understand that aspect of it. And with Detroit, that was the issue. Guys would look at Matt Patricia and just go, number one, he doesn't look like a professional. He looks like a bum. Number two, we don't feel prepared. We look at this guy. He's worried about the defense. He's not worried about the whole aspect of the entire team. We don't feel prepared and we can't get amped up and jacked up ready to play. And you saw it with Detroit time and time again. Anybody who watched Detroit this year, they the effort level was poor. I don't know if it was Galladay being injured and out of the lineup a lot, but they, they just didn't play for him. You At the end of the day, you could talk about X's and O's up and down the river, but if you don't play for your coach, the effort is the most important thing, and it wasn't there for Detroit. And now he's back in New England.
2: Yeah, and just to circle back to Wes's question, I mean, he asked about Brady and how long he can go with it, and, and that's the thing, you know, he, he's – He's under contract this year and next year, right? So when I did the prediction that the Bucs would get to the Super Bowl this year and play Kansas City, I did have Kansas City winning it, but then I also said the Bucs would be back next year, they win it next year, and Brady would ride off into the sunset. If that happens, I think that that happens. He retires on a championship note. If it doesn't happen, I think he does, like Johnny said, have three or four good years left in him so he could always sign you know a, a friendly one-year deal to come back and and try it again i don't think gronk has more than maybe one more year left in him, so i think that you know they're gonna really try to push for it next year i think the bucks have a lot of key free agents this year that they try to at least get most of them back next year if they don't win this one and say hey we got tom for another year or two let's take a shot at this so I think to answer Wes's question, he has three or four years in him, like Johnny said, but it could only be, you know, one or two more, depending on if he wants to ride out in the sunset a la Peyton Manning. Yeah,
1: Wes, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, no, sorry. Go ahead, Wes.
0: Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, Tom Brady here, a little bit about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, there was a huge Stafford and Golf deal that went down, by the way, since the last time uh, the three of us have even been able to talk. and, and That's obviously Detroit made out like a uh, – seems like a bandit on that one uh, with the possibility, the possibility for the Rams having a franchise quarterback. John, I didn't get a chance to pick your brain about the Stafford-Golf deal. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean I tweeted out my main feeling, and my my main feeling is – can Sean McVay get Stafford to really care about winning? I, I It's my gut feeling. I, I have to read facial expressions from what we can see on TV. I got to read body language. And the comparison I've been making is the body language of Matt Stafford over the last year and a half is a lot like Sam Darnold. And I'll explain what that is. What that is, is when things are going well, they get in a rhythm. Everything looks fine. The team does well enough to compete. When things are not going well, that it's not defeatist. They're not the They're not like going to lay down and sulk. They're not those type of guys. However, they're not going to fight to dig out of the hole. So, and that's the, that's the sense that I got from Stafford and very clearly to me. So the question for me, most importantly is Ken McVay now, which they're, I'm sure they've already gotten together and they're doing their zooms and their Skypes and all that stuff. Can he get him jacked up and amped up and say, we want to win a Super Bowl. We don't just want to bring in Matt Stafford to light up the fantasy stats and spread this ball around and get us going down the field a little bit more. We want to win the Super Bowl. We want to get you all amped up coming from Detroit, a team that never wins. And the question for me is Stafford later in his career, right? He's in his mid thirties. Like we said in the past, he's got a beautiful house, all these kids, beautiful wife. He's got a lot of things on his mind about protecting his health. These are things that certain guys consider. Can he get him to just dig in? play 16 games, none of these minor injuries and really light it up. And I, I don't know the answer right now. It's too early for me to say, I got to hear them talk about each other. I got to see the body language. So on that side, that's my concern for Detroit. It's great because they're not going anywhere anyway. So you bring in Goff, who's a younger guy, maybe just, you know, he's got a good attitude. He's a positive guy. He's not a great quarterback. He's somewhere around number 17, 18, or 19 in my rankings. He's not great, but he's younger, and maybe he'll bring some exuberance, change things around, and kind of get guys back involved. So to me, it's no no risk for Detroit. They weren't going anywhere. But the concern above all is can the Rams make the leap with Stafford? Right now, I feel like no, but I need to have more information.
0: JB, uh, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz are also still being speculated on being on the move. Do you have any latest updates on those two guys? I've heard the Bears with both of them.
2: Well, last I heard yesterday was the Bears made a pretty nice offer for Carson Wentz, um, like above what the market thought it was going to be, so... As of yesterday, it looked like the Bears were the front runners to land once, and it probably would. See, and what I think is happening right now is people saw that that Detroit Rams trade and said, oh, okay, we could send a a quarterback back in the deal and kind of do a quarterback swap and then some. So I think that that this is what teams are trying to do now. You know, if you're going to trade Carson Wentz and and package Mitch Trubisky and some other stuff, or or maybe package Nick Foles, because I don't want Carson Wentz to walk in the locker room and see Foles there again. We saw what happened last time that happened. Foles, you know, challenged him for his job. But I, I think that Wentz will end up in Chicago based on what I was hearing yesterday. And Watson's really heated up to Denver now all of a sudden. You know, at first we talked about it being either the Dolphins or the Jets. That was like the main two teams that were in play. They had the assets to trade for him. Now yesterday, or a couple days ago, he said he wanted to play in Denver. And then all of a sudden yesterday, things were starting to move towards him being involved in a trade with denver and that could be the same thing that could be a hey we'll send you drew lock plus back and now you'll have a young quarterback that's kind of unknown that maybe you could mold into your quarterback houston so i think that at this point i still think and and wish that the deal was around watson going to miami with a swap for tua Because I got a lot of Dolphin fan friends that I'd like to succeed. Johnny, sorry, I know they're in your division and you don't want them to succeed. (laughs) But I I think Watson to Denver is actually heating up right now. And that would be a huge boost to all those pass catchers in Denver. There was no way Deshaun Watson was going to Chicago. That would be a complete...
0: Uh, admittance of of a, having a terrible draft that uh, they traded up to be able to get Mitch Trubisky in that draft. There was no way they were going to tuck their tails and say, look, we really messed up that thing a couple of years ago. You can't do that because then that means that you are incapable of doing that job. There was no way Deshaun Watson was going there. And as far as Carson Wentz going to Chicago, I just can't see how you can allow that to happen. All Carson Wentz is, is an older version of Mitch Trubisky. OK, I know I want to say Carson Wentz is more of a winner. Mitch Trubisky, he hasn't been necessarily a loser in his life whenever he's been a quarterback. All all Carson Wentz is, is an older version of Mitch Trubisky. You cannot get that job done with him, I don't think, in Chicago. that The quarterbacks are not the problem in Chicago. It is the leadership. It is the front office and pace. In, it, it, that's all it is. That, that's all it is. So I, that's my take on that. John, what about you?
1: Well, one really interesting point that you made is, and I I disagree with you. I, I agree with your sentiment about the front office that they don't want to admit that they were wrong. Not that the bears was ever going to be a play for Watson. However, the mark of good leadership is actually being able to admit that being Uh able to say we made that mistake and we need to correct it. And this is our opportunity to correct it. Maybe in this situation, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. The team talking about leadership in general, you need to be able to have that humility, right? It's good to have confidence. You you can't not be confident in those jobs or forget it, right? Like one, one thing I will say about pace. I read that really long article, that famous one, uh, uh, the bears piece about the entire way they led up to getting Mitch Trubisky. I, it was like maybe 15, 16 pages. I read the whole thing. One thing I appreciated was he put his chips all in. He said, look, I'm here. I'm a young guy. I have this job now. Uh, this is my opinion based on the reports that I have, based on my scouts and the games that I went to. We're going all on a Mitch Trubisky. So I appreciate that. I appreciate saying, this is my guy. We're going to do what we have to do to get him. Uh, that hasn't worked for teams, right? It didn't work for the Bears. It didn't work for Washington with Robert Griffin when they unloaded their assets there. However, I did like that part of it, but now... When you have a chance to reverse course and fix history, you have to have that humility. And people, people will respect that. People that, are, that know what winning is about and what leadership is about will say, you know what? That's a man. He can step up and say, that was my mistake, but now I got a chance to fix that and get us on the right course. So you're probably right, Wes. They were probably thinking the wrong way. They were probably thinking, we don't want to embarrass ourselves by reversing on this. But I actually think that's the wrong way to think.
0: No, I, you said good leadership. I, do, I haven't seen good leadership in that front office yet. So that's why I didn't think that they would do that at all, because that would be a good leadership. And I think that that's exactly the, the pace, is exactly the opposite of that. His, 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 this is what his theory is go get the biggest name in trade, in the draft. Go get the biggest name. Go, you go all the way back to Kevin White. It doesn't matter. Go get the biggest name. He traded up and he overpaid for Mitch Trubisky. He was going against himself. They were taking advantage of the rookie there. Maybe they were floating around rumors and he heard the rumors. So he started panicking and he really wanted Mitch Trubisky and he gave up assets to get him. The same thing's going on with Carson Wentz. Nobody else wants Carson Wentz. Nobody, you, you do not have to give up that much to get Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz may get cut before the beginning of the season from the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's in a bidding war against himself. Listen, the guy's the guy's got more conspiracy theories running through his head than I do. Okay, that's that's just, <laughs> that's what I think. Look at what happened with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, the Tom Brady last season, JB. I mean, that kind of all just fell
2: into place for him and they really didn't have to give up anything at all for him. Yeah, and and you know, in the beginning of that, everybody thought that Brady was going to go to to the Chargers because it was oh, you know, he wants to go back to California and Giselle wants to live in California. But surprise, he's in Tampa. <laughs> and even the guys that came along with him, we didn't have to give up anything. We had to just pick up Antonio, pick up Fournette, Gronk out of retirement and just came along. It wasn't like we had to trade to get there. So. It was awesome the way it shaped out. And hopefully they finished the job here this week.
1: I'm going to uh, find uh, my old tweet right uh, the first day when he was available. And I looked at all the teams that might be in the running. I picked Tampa because I know the way Brady thinks he's not going to go to some young coach that is going to try to make their own reputation because he was already coming from a team where they tried to control everything. And he was getting tired of that. Right. He wanted to go to somebody who was a veteran co- a coach, a hard-nosed guy, right? That's Arians is a hard-nosed guy. He's not like, he doesn't baby his players. You know, if you screw up, he's going to get in your face. He's going to tell you about it. He, he'll throw you under the bus in the media. He'll make offhand comments. He's not worried about anybody's feelings. He's an old school football guy. So that, that was the connect, obviously the talent as well. When you got Godwin you got Evans before getting Gronk or anything like that. So that goes with it. But Brady's going to look at it and say, who's a hard-nosed guy who's like me? Was going to say when we get into trenches and things get dirty, can I can I just get in somebody's face and they're not going to cry about it? So from the first day, I picked the Bucks. Not the least bit surprised that that's where we are now.
2: Well, we talked about the lack of weapons that he's had in New World, in New England for the last few years, and if you look at an opportunity to come in and play with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it's like wow, I have to jump at that. You know, it, you think about it; it's he's never had weapons like this before. You know, sure he's had his his Edelmans and, and his guys that he's had connections with, but he's never had two bona fide star wide receivers like this before. And never had a deep threat. I mean, maybe when he had Randy Moss for a little while, but never had a guy like Mike Evans who could just do everything and be a, a legit wide receiver one that could do anything on the field.
1: Wes, what'd you think about last week? Cause I, I don't want to ask JB because he he gets emotional about his, his bucks. I Mm -hmm. thought Evans was a disaster down the stretch. I I know people were, some people were defending him. Some people were throwing him under the bus, but I mean, you're talking about one ball that literally was in the chest. So no excuses there. Then you got another one that was definitely a tough ball. It was above his head. It was at the fingertips. Definitely a tough ball. I give him that. But then you got another ball where he didn't find the ball and it turned into an interception, right? You got to come back, not come back and make a play and make a catch. But when that ball's floating up in the air, you gotta you gotta take a look back over the shoulder and have a sense of where it is and come back and become a defensive back wes what what was your opinion? Did you feel like Evans could have done more to limit the turnovers in the second half of that game?
0: Evans is a very emotional player right when he's on the field he's he's got his emotions to the to the utmost degree all the time and so it didn't surprise me that in a situation where he may have never been before right with a lot of stuff on the line for him. That he was playing a little bit tight, it didn't surprise me at all. I, I think that that changes because I do believe Tom Brady, Bruce Arians sees that in him, and they're able to kind of, you know, console him through that and get him game, uh, get him hyped up for this game, but in a controllable fashion. So I, I thought that that was not surprising from Mike Evans at all. He wears his emotions on the sleeve, and I know personally I do the same thing. And and so whenever you get into an inv- a situation like that, it just can cause you to play a little bit tighter than normal. I think that gets uh, alleviated this time around in the Super Bowl.
2: What about you, JB? Look, I'll I'll say this uh, just to talk about those couple of players that Johnny mentioned. You know, Mike Evans is six five, and for him to go full extension in the air. And still for it to just barely hit off his fingertips, Mm -hmm. that was a poorly thrown ball. That was a high ball. If that ball was a little bit lower, that's a touchdown. And Brady knows it. You know, and he knew it. You could see it on his face. The first one, yes, that one I'll I'll say was on Mike. But the interception, Johnny. He threw that ball inside. Mike was outside. There was no way for him to come back on that one. You know, he was he was out. He was playing it for an outside catch. He was two steps ahead of the receiver, and it was underthrown and thrown inside. There was no way for him to come back on that and, and do anything with that. So uh, that I think that one was a miscommunication or a misfire. The the one off his hands that led to an interception in the end zone. That was just the touch high. It was, if it was a little lower, that's a touchdown. It, it, he was fully extended. He's 6'5", and it tipped off his fingertips. There's nothing you could do about it. The first one I'll say was on him.
1: The two the two points about the deep ball, right? One thing that I want to talk about with that um, is that the pressure that came through the middle, right? And yep. Wes, you can jump in on this as well. Do you feel like when you get pressure right down the pipe at Brady, no matter what his age is, that's when you get those bizarre interceptions where I understand what he did. He got the ball out without getting hit and it was a one-on-one situation. So I understand what the look was, but that's where the mistakes seem to come. Um, Wes, do you feel like that that's the way to beat Brady is get that pressure down the pipe and get him to throw one up there and pressure like that.
0: That's always been the, the thing against Brady is that if you get pressure right down the middle, cause he loves the pocket and any pocket quarterback is going to feel a little bit of pressure right there. You're going to feel like you're out of sorts. I, I remember playing uh, snowball fights, you know, and you build those little snow forts. You guys did this up there in, in in your area where you build those snow forts, and the whole point of the game was to try and bust down the fort and get to their snowballs. At least that's what we did in Illinois. And you always just go up the middle. I, there was no reason to sneak around the sides and everything. The only, only reason why you wanted to do that was if you wanted to make the game longer. But if you just get it up the middle and get that pressure up the middle and just destroy their fort, it's all over. And I think that that's, the, that's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs operating system this go around in this game is to try and pressure Brady up the middle. If you can get that pressure up on Brady, that's always a recipe for disaster.
2: Well, JB, that's the way you they start. have to do it. They yeah. have to do it that way because it, it's going to be Frank Clark matched up against Aaron Stinney, who's a backup guard. You know, we lost our, our starting right guard two weeks ago. So we've had a backup in there who's been playing pretty well. And that's where they have to get their pressure on him because you got Ryan Jensen at center and you got Ali Marpet at left guard who are fantastic offensive linemen. Donovan Smith's been playing well at left tackle. He, he's had an up-and-down career, but he's been locked in and playing really well. And the rookie, Tristan Wurfs, has been playing well at right tackle. So really, the, the weak link in that offensive line is Aaron Stinney at right guard, who is a backup, who's played okay. But on that play that we were just talking about, I actually just pulled up the video of it and watched it. That's who got beat. That's where the pressure came from. Pressure came up the middle. Stinney got beat. Jair Alexander was actually on Evans and forced him outside. The throw was inside, and the safety had an easy shot at it because Mike Evans was three steps away because Alexander forced him outside. So that's the key. They're going to have to get Frank Clark up the middle on Aaron Stinney, and that's the, that's the only way that they're going to be able to get pressure, I believe, because the rest of the offensive line has been playing really well. And Gronk will be back to help block again also.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, the whole thing, Gronk in, in general, it's kind of worked out the way that we thought, right? Which is that they have other tight ends on the roster, right? You're getting some pop-up performances from Brait, And now it's like, okay, Gronk made it to the end of the year. That, that was ultimately the plan, right? It wasn't like we, we go back up to the beginning of the season where we talked about the rankings. Gronk was going as the tight end six in redraft for a good period of time. And I, I think we were all stressing He's, they're not going to use him like that. The the goal is going to be to win the Super Bowl with this team, not to make Gronk a fantasy option where you're going to pound him with targets and stuff. And now, now they've made it to that point. He actually made it through without getting injured. And like you said, he's going to be there to block and be more of an all around player and try to contribute to the winning culture as opposed to like a focal point. So that that's the point on him. And the the key name that you brought up though, and I'm going to make a comparison. Doesn't it feel like Frank Clark is becoming like the Robert Ori? of the NFL. Like Frank Clark disappears <laughs> for five games in the regular season. You don't even know he's on the chiefs anymore. Then, then the playoffs come and the guy gets three set, sa- two sacks, three sacks last year. He had five sacks in the playoffs. He had two sacks last week. I feel like he just shows up for the big moments. Are you worried about Frank Clark? Both guys. I mean, JB, are you worried about him as a bucks fan? And then Wes, are you thinking maybe he could be like a sneaky MVP candidate in this game? Cause Frank Clark shows up like Robert Ory?
2: West likes Frank Clark, so I'll let him take it. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I do. And that's, that's one of the names I remember. Is like,
0: holy cow, who's this Frank Clark guy? And then he was uh, Superman. And he just went into a phone booth and disappeared for the entire year. And here he is again. Frank Clark is going to show up again. It, it's one of those interesting things where maybe people do save some extra gas in the tank to be able to show up for these moments. Or they don't want that stuff to necessarily show up on film because they know they can offensively outscore everybody. And so now we don't have to prepare for Frank Frank Clark, he's lost a step, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's going to be showing up in the Super Bowl again. And it's going to be really hard for Frank Clark to win an MVP, John. I think outside of, uh, of Mahomes or Brady, it's really hard for anybody else to win an MVP can- uh, a trophy this season. I-, I just can't see that happening in the Super Bowl. So, so I'll, I'll say this. Like I'm little not little
1: worried. I'm, Sorry, Jay.
2: No, I'll say this. I'm not worried about Frank Clark. I think that... <laughs> Donovan Smith has been playing well. See, Frank Clark plays a lot on the edge, right? So he'll be, he'll be seeing a lot of Donovan Smith, and he'll be the guy that gets the Gronk double, that gets the Gronk chip, that gets the, the running back chip. So I think that they're going to be able to contain Clark. It's Chris Jones that I'm afraid of. Chris Jones plays interior. A lot of the times Chris Jones will line up in that slot, which would be against Aaron Stinney on the right guard spot. So I think that it's going to be Chris Jones on the, off, on the defensive line that has the impact. And I'm more worried about him than I am Frank Clark.
1: I agree with JB hundred percent because Chris Jones was a ghost last week. Right. A lot of times I look at that. There's no way he was happy with his performance. He had one tackle and zero sacks and you didn't hear his name at all. He was completely off the grid. I mean, I feel like a guy like that, who's really almost a superstar, definitely a pro bowl type player. He's not going to be okay with that performance. And like you said, they're going to be concerned about Clark on the outside. Maybe he'll get an extra chip here or there and they'll they'll be able to contain him and jones is the guy who's going to have to bounce back after that performance last week so i would also be concerned about chris jones
0: all right guys let's we we get into here on the john frisella show fantasy sports a lot but now it's all about the super bowl and we have a point spread to think about we've got pl- player props guys is it me or like should i look for every player prop or any kind of prop bet i guess. And, and find every one of them that's a plus like three fifty five and just lay 5 bucks on it. Because uh, it, it, a lot of them seem to be, hey, it's got a possibility of happening. Or is that all just set up by Vegas, Johnny, to lose your money?
1: Yeah, I mean, it is set up to lose your money. But if you're risking low amounts like that and you can afford it, I'm okay with that strategy, to be honest. Because to me, prop bets are dead money. What, l- let me tell you about why prop bets are rigged in general. And you can figure this out. Any prop bet where the player gets injured, you lost already. Right, you get a player that gets injured in the first, or second quarter. Why do you think they win? Futures before the season is another one. It's it's a lot of times dead money because you're betting on the situation before the season, which means nothing when guys start to go down and they start to get injured. The same thing with a prop bet when you use a player prop. Right, you're taking a guy you don't know what's going to happen. How many guys in football have minor injuries where they miss two quarters or they miss the game altogether? It happens every single game. So so by design. Prop bets have a lot of dead money built into them. So I actually like your strategy, Wes. If you can afford, you know, whatever your level is, if you're gonna do five dollars a bet and you're gonna take a big plus, maybe you'll hit one or hit two and you'll end up at a winner at the end of the day. I don't like the I don't think big money plays on prop bets are smart. I don't agree. I don't like that at all. So I like your idea, Wes.
0: Well, well it, there's the- like
1: this this there's one
0: here, JP. Total players to throw a touchdown pass, including overtime, is over two and a half. It's plus seven hundred. JB. Plus 700. Uh, that's Tom Brady. That's uh, Patrick Mahomes. That's Travis Kelsey,
2: right? Do I, get, do I get it then? Well, you just told us that they weren't going to run many gimmick plays. So which well, one? Just, put, put, I mean, <laughs> okay, fine. They, I don't think they're going to run a lot of gimmick
0: plays, but we know that they run those kind of gimmick plays. And, and this is over two and a half. This is plus
2: 700, John. Uh, uh, JB. Well, yeah, that's the thing, Wes. A lot of these things are you know, you could talk yourself into any of these prop bets, right? right? That's why they're out there. That's why they are options. You could talk yourself into any of them. But to Johnny's point, if you're playing it for fun and you're going to throw five bucks at a bunch of them, fine. But if you're somebody who's going, oh, I'm going to put a thousand bucks on this. I'm going to turn it into seven thousand bucks. And it's like, eh, you really don't have much of a chance. And that's why the odds are what they are. There was one that I saw yesterday that was... uh Chances of fat guy a touchdown was like plus 2,000 or something like that for an offensive lineman to score a touchdown. Yeah, you could talk yourself into that but with those type of odds, but the likelihood of it happening isn't really much. So Johnny like said, if you're doing it for fun, you want to buy bucks at a bunch of them, and if you hit one, you make your money back, or you know maybe you lose a couple bucks, win a couple bucks, but you had fun playing these funny bets. I think that's what props are more entertaining than they are trying to win money.
1: Yep. The only way to win in reality in sports betting, and you, you guys know I talk about it all year on the show, is to be selective. And the more tickets that you have, the more they're laughing at you. Vegas is laughing. If you got 50 tickets on the game, all these different plays, there's no way you can win because of the VIG, right? Uh, if you're, if you're playing anything on a normal line, right, a normal line is minus 110 you're not going to win. And if you're taking too many of these plus lines, some of them are automatic losers. So you're throwing automatic losers in there. That's dead money. So the only way to win in reality in this game right here is to pick one of the four main plays and say, that's it. That's my only bet. It's either I'm taking the bucks with the spread. I'm taking the chiefs with the spread. I'm taking the under, or I'm taking the over one play. That's really the only way to win in betting. The more volume to give, the more vague they're going to get into it. You're losing automatically. You're not going to win at a high clip. If you're selective, you might win. You might have a chance. So you got to, you got to lay your land down and put your flag down and say, this is it. This is my pick.
0: You are listening to the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. You can find the show over on Twitter at fi today with a little underscore. You can find John Frisella at Sports 7 on Twitter. We have a special guest with us today who is part of the Fit family, J.B. Barry at Fantasy Coach J.B. on Twitter. And you can find me at It. If you happen to be a person that likes to listen to podcasts, which we hope you are, make sure you subscribe to the show. You can also leave a review, and that's always helpful. And actually, guys, what I've heard is that if they unsubscribe to the show and then subscribe back, unsubscribe subscribe, subscribe back. That actually helps the show, too. That's what I've heard. It's just about <laughs> subscriptions. That's I don't know if that really helps or not, but we do like to talk about the lines. We do like to talk about the spread. This Super Bowl spread opened at three and a half points The Kansas City Chiefs were favored by. The game total was at 57 points. It has dropped half a point for Kansas City, now only being favored by three, and now the game total is dropped to 56. John Frisella. You are the expert when it comes to the lines. This looks like it's a field goal at the most, right? And they do not expect Kansas City to blow this out of the water. Is that the feeling? Is that the vibe you get? Or is this one of these things where they just have to put this Super Bowl spread at three just to get everybody's money, essentially, right. because mean, then it's going to be 50-50.
1: That's definitely part of the equation is where, where's the line where we can set it where we're not going to be leveraged too much, right? You, got, you have to realize what the amount of action – that Vegas gets on the Super Bowl, if they put a line that's wrong, where they're going to get burnt, where the layperson is going to pick up on it and say, wait, I know where to put my money and everyone's going to follow suit and they can actually win. That's how Vegas takes a slamming and gets hammered. That's the worst case scenario for them. So they need to middle the action because they can't lose, right? If they middle the action on the Super Bowl and they just collect the VIG, they've controlled it. They've controlled the two outcomes. Uh, I'm going to make a movie analogy, right? A very short one. There's a movie called promised land It's with uh, Matt Damon and John Krasinski, long story short, there's a major corporation involved in the movie. And what one of the characters finds out without getting into it is that they've been controlling both outcomes the whole time. So no matter where they go with their corporation, they're controlling the people that are against them and for them. So they never lose. They just keep snowballing and they keep making money. That's what Vegas does when they middle the line like this. So they want the action to be basically split so they can't lose and they can't have 80% on the Chiefs and then lose all that money. That's too big of a hit for Vegas to take. So at the end of the day, for me, the right play based on the line is Tampa Bay, but I can't go with the right play in this game because the Chiefs are my gravy train and i'm going to tell you something three interceptions this is something that keeps cycling through my brain three interceptions against that packers defense which to me that packers defense has been pretty embarrassing over the grand scheme of the last two playoffs not being able to pick up their offense and give them one strong game you can't give that offense with aaron Rodgers one good performance where you actually hold up the fort and you're the reason why the team wins they haven't done it once to throw three picks, Brady there, and then the way the Chiefs defense played against Buffalo, which is the best I've seen their secondary play probably in two or three years. That was a lights-out secondary performance. I am concerned for the Bucks that the turnovers will come again because if you get that pressure from Chris Jones or you get that pressure from Frank Clark and then you get that, let me shout out my man, right, the main guy that I want to talk about in this particular game, and that's Bashad Breeland. I had no idea he was that good, and he's physical. He's playing old school corner out there. He was, I know he's their number one. I know that. But this past week against Buffalo, he was out of this world, physical jamming guys, making the referee put pressure on the referee, right? If he has a game like he had, and they can get a little bit of pressure, I'm concerned those, those turnovers are still going to be there for the bucks. So I'll be honest with you. My score in this game is 31, 21 chiefs. So that's a chiefs play on the line. And that's an under that's my play.
2: Okay, so let me let me hit on a couple of those points, right? So you brought up Breland who has been playing fantastic. He's he's actually looked really good and you're right, he's been playing physical. He did a good job playing physical on Diggs last week. But he's five eleven. He's two hundred pounds soaking wet. Okay. Diggs is also six foot, not very built. This week he's gotta deal with a guy who's six five, two thirty. So I don't think he's gonna be he's gonna have it as easy trying to play physical against Mike Evans. The turnover is certainly a concern. Um, we talked about a couple of them from that Green Bay game. And Green Bay has Jair Alexander, who's one of the best cover corners in the league. KC does not have that. So yeah, those turnovers, a couple of them were mistakes. And we could see one of those again, where pressure comes through the middle, Brady rushes a throw, hoping something happens, and it doesn't happen. I don't think we see one that you know, they're driving in the red zone that tips off of Evans' fingertips and turns into an interception. We're not going to see that. And we saw two turnovers from Kansas City from, from Pat Mahomes last year in the Super Bowl. So they could turn it over just as easily to the Bucs secondary, who's forced five turnovers this, this postseason. I think it's going to be a close game. I think, you know, obviously Kansas City is a team that is an offensive juggernaut. Um, I think the Bucks have pieces in play. I, I tweeted it out yesterday. If I was Todd Bowles, you know, I would have uh, Jamel Dean playing against Tyreek Hill this week because last time these teams played, Jamel Dean was out. Jamel Dean didn't play. Jamel Dean is the fastest cover cornerback on the Buccaneers team. Now nobody can guard Tyreek Hill one on one. They attempted it with Carlton Davis, and it was a mess. It was awful. It made Carlton Davis look bad. But I think if you cover Tyreek Hill with Jamel Dean with safety help from Antoine Winfield over the top, then you can kind of limit him a little bit. Then you have to worry about Travis Kelsey because those are your two big weapons, right? So now you have Kelsey running those short intermediate routes over the middle. But Bucks have two fantastic linebackers, Johnny. We talk about it all the time. We love Levante David. We love Devin White. I think they'll be able to stay with Kelsey and limit him enough, especially if you're getting some help from Sean Murphy bunting in a two-wide receiver set or Jordan Whitehead from the other safety position. Now, when they go three-wide, then you're looking at Carlton Davis playing one-on-one with Sammy Watkins on the other side, right? So I'm, I love that matchup. I'm all off of Sammy Watkins. So I think if the Bucs do channel enough around limiting Tyreek, limiting Kelsey, I'm not worried about the other pieces. I think that, yeah, Hardman could break free for a long touchdown. You know, if Jamel Dean is is with Tyreek Hill, then Hardman's speed could get past a, a Sean Murphy bunting out of the slot or something like that. So you're going to get beat for some big plays. The Chiefs are going to put up some points but I don't think they're going to dominate the Bucs' defense. I think the Bucs are going to get enough pressure on Mahomes where he doesn't have time to make those plays. The Chiefs are playing, and we haven't talked about it yet. We're an hour into the show. Chiefs are playing without their two starting tackles. The Bucs bring pressure from the outside with Shaq Barrett and JPP all the time. The linebackers blitz from the outside. The safeties, the corners blitz from the outside. So without your two starting tackles, Bucks are going to bring pressure they're going to make Mahomes uncomfortable, and it's not going to give Tyreek time to run his routes. It's not going to give Kelsey time to get 10 yards downfield. So you can have that stuff all you want, as long as we're able to keep the ball in front of us, only get beat on one big play or so. I think the Bucks win this game 27-24. So that's a play on the Bucks and a play on the under.
1: So, wow, we got so we had two for two on the under, and I want to pass it over to Wes. Two things I want to take from that. One thing I agree – well, first of all, I agree 100% about the tackles. That, that is a concern for me. That is my main concern in taking the Chiefs, and I do think that there will be some containment and they can kind of hold them down, which is why I like the under also. Um, so I'm with you on that. But Devin White, if there is one guy who can take Kelsey – and give him a little bit of trouble with one-on-one before the help comes over in the entire league out of linebackers. It's probably Devin White. Because we see the way that sometimes he covers. It's unbelievable. So that is absolutely, I agree with that. Now, Wes, what I want to ask you, and and JB brought up last year's Super Bowl, what can Tampa Bay do that San Francisco did last year? Because San Francisco had that game. Minus that one play from Tyree Kill, 4th and 15, you're hitting that big first down to save the game. San Francisco had that. What can Tampa Bay do that's like San Francisco that's going to put them in the same spot that San Fran was in last year? And now you're giving the ball to Tom Brady instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you think about that, Wes?
0: I think Kansas City has matured as a team. All right. And last year they found themselves in a playoff hole many a time. This year, they've been playing from from ahead, if, I, if I, my memory does not fail me, which it fails me quite often. But I think that they've been playing from ahead more times than not this season, at least not in those big holes that they had last year during the playoffs. Tom Brady does not impress me at the beginning parts of the game. Whenever I see Tom Brady get in trouble, it seems like he gets in trouble at the beginning part of the game. And, and honestly, I never want to count. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers out of a game. So whenever I look at that, I don't know that they can necessarily hit Kansas City in the mouth like San Francisco did last season. I don't think that they can do that. It seems like Tom Brady has to get in a groove in the game, get a feel for the game, uh, be able to dissect that defense and what they're doing, and then he's able to exploit those weaknesses that he sees on the field.
2: But before that, I, I'm not that impressed by Tom Brady in that first part of the game. So I don't think that what? they can do that. And that's why I think the under is in play because I don't think it's going to be a come out right from the gate and just fireworks scoring touchdowns, right? I think you're absolutely right. I think both teams are going to have to feel each other out. I think, you know, you're right. Brady has to kind of get into his groove and and I think that Kansas City is going to have enough pressure on Mahomes that's being brought by the Bucs, that he's not going to be comfortable enough in the pocket to just sit back there and and fire off touchdown passes either. So I think it is going to be a slow start to the game. You're absolutely right, and that's why I think the under's in play. I I never want to say Tom Brady's going to ever be out of a game, especially in the Super Bowl.
0: One of the things, JB, that I've noticed this year is that Tom Brady can get off to a slow start, but then all of a sudden you look up at the fourth quarter and you're like, they got a shot. You know, I mean, they could be down 21 points and you're like, they got a shot. And we go back and we harken back to the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons when Tom Brady kept them in that entire game. And you never thought that they were out of it. And then when you saw them marching back, you're like, oh, they got this one in the bag and they were still down 17 points or something like that. You're like, hey, they're going to, New England's going to win this game. (laughs) It was crazy to be able to think that. Here's my problem with that. The Kansas City Chiefs team seems to be their defense whenever they're able to fly around with no pressure on them, that's where they excel tremendously. When they can pin their ears back and they can go after the quarterback or they can take chances on the ball, when they can play loosey-goosey. And by the way, I'm going to say this about the Kansas City Chiefs team, and I, I don't mean to make any Kansas City Chiefs fans mad because Alabama is one of the dirtiest teams out there on the field where they will play right up until that referee is about to throw a flag. I'm not saying they play up to the whistle. I'm saying Alabama plays right up until that referee is about to throw a flag and it it seems to be dirty a little bit, right? But but what it, what it is, it's a mind game. It's playing psychological warfare. It's trying to get the better of that team, showing them that you're dominant. And Kansas City does that nowadays. That's the team I think that has taken that that trophy away from the Patriots who I thought that it tremendous over the last several decades, over the last decade anyway, and Kansas City is right now on that cusp of being a very dirty team, JB, and that kind of worries me when I think about Gronk or Mike Evans or somebody like that who are susceptible to injuries.
2: Yeah, and I think that, you know, uh, the New Orleans Saints are the dirtiest team in football. They've got a lot of dirty players (laughs) on that defense especially, but you know what, when you mention it about the Chiefs, I, I think that it's kind of like what Johnny was saying earlier with, with the way Breland was playing physical last week. You got a lot of undersized guys on this secondary. You know, the biggest, the, the tallest guy in the secondary is Traverius Ward, who's six one. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is six feet and under. That's Matthew, Thornhill, Snead, Breland, all of them. So they're little guys that are playing against 6'4", six, 6'5", six, wide receivers. So I think they have that little bit of that Napoleon complex where, you know, they have to be tougher. They have to be the little dog that bites your ankles to let you know that they're there in that fight. So I think that's kind of why they've assumed that, you know, Matthew T- the Honey Badger's been that type of physical, you know, come at you type of player. So I think that, you know, he's kind of given the rest of them that identity and they're playing as that, you know, chihuahua biting your ankles type of secondary. But I I don't know, man. I don't think that's going to have an effect on Evans and Godwin. I think that they're healthy enough that that it's not going to have an effect on them.
0: So to answer your question, John, I really see... This being the opposite for the Buccaneers than I did for San Francisco, I don't think that they can play the way San Francisco did. I see the Bucs getting in a hole. I am not sure that they will be able to get out of that hole against that Kansas City defense, against that speed on the opposite side of the field, because that is unmatched speed, in my opinion, that the Kansas City Chiefs have as a team defense. And, and, and actually, JB, I hate to say this. I, cause I'm, I'm going to, I'm, my daughter's not in the room. You guys both know my daughter's got this crush on Patrick Mahomes, right? And it's bugged me all year long. I am going to the store and I am buying me some TB12 gear. Actually, I'm going to buy uh me and my wife uh some Tampa Bay Buccaneer gear just a little bit because, you know, we're the old school guys. And I'm going to let my uh, two daughters have Kansas City Chief Gear so they can be kind of a uh, kids against the parents kind of a thing for tomorrow. Uh but I I unfortunately I see the Buck I see the Buccaneers digging themselves too big of a hole early in this game to get out of. And I see Kansas City being able to win this game. I like the 10 points, John, that you said. I just haven't been able to come to a, a complete uh, point total on this. I, the under's fine with me too.
1: Well, one, th- one thing I want to back up to, which is really important, is we talked about the physicality of the corners in general and the way the game's being played. Uh, have you guys seen what I've seen, which is that there seems to be a directive from the top in the NFL, from Roger Goodell or somebody up there, way up there, that these referees were told in this playoffs people don't want to see stoppages yeah, let, let these guys figure it out between each other so if if i don't think i'm blind i'm pretty sure i've seen that in almost every single game how does that play into this game how does the fact that they're going to let them play and they're going to they're going to let the cameras roll and let the players figure it out who does that benefit and how does that play into the result of this game
2: in my opinion it benefits the bucks and uh, we just talked about how the kansas city secondary is an undersized secondary that plays with that you know napoleon complex type chip on their shoulders to try to be physical but okay take your little five nine self and try to be physical with six five mike evans or six five cam brate and let me see how that works out because mike's gonna body you all day long on the buccaneer side on the defense sean murphy bunting is like a professional sneaky holder like I've seen it all year long like he's really good at holding somebody to the point that the referees don't see it and let's go just in time for them to not throw the flag on him. you know right before they can see it he's really good at that and he used it to his advantage use it in that game on the interception on Lazard he kind of like pulled him back and, and and propelled himself enough to get in front of him for a touchdown uh, for an interception and pulled it off like just before the referees could see the hold so i think if they're gonna let stuff go this Buccaneers secondary is scrappy Carlton davis is a g i think you know they're gonna take advantage of that stuff too so i I think it benefits the bucks if they're gonna let things go with the big receiver and the sneaky secondary see i think it's the opposite
0: I've seen Kansas City do it better than anybody else in this postseason, and John, I completely agree with you. I don't think the referees even know they got a flag in their pocket in this postseason. During the regular season, it seems like they're all for protecting the players, but in the postseason, it's let them play, let them play. And and to me, the Kansas City Chiefs team has done that better than anybody else. Whenever I've watched them play in these playoffs, and I've told you, I've said it earlier this podcast, that Mike Evans wears his emotions on the sleeve. And whenever he starts getting in these head game warfares, and trust me when I say I think the Kansas City Chiefs know that, whenever they start getting in Mike Evans' head, it's harder for him to have a huge game. Um, and I, I could almost see this just really not, not ending well for Mike Evans in some degree. And I'm not a hater of Mike Evans. I really respect what he does. And I think he's a chippy player as well. And he's a little bit of a dirty player, but man, that those chiefs take it to a whole nother level.
1: I don't know about you guys, but I, I like it this way. I, I mean, yeah. I, I kinda, I kinda know, you know, JB is tricky, right? Cause those that are listening, I know JB for years and years and years and years. And JB is a tough athlete like myself and like Wes, we, when the going gets tough, that's when we rise up. Like that's his background. However, JB, we've gotten into some spats on Twitter about refereeing. If anything at all is borderline, it's a no call for me. I don't, I don't care what the play, no matter what the type of flag or play is anything where you're like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure means no flag. You need to be a hundred percent positive. That's, that's the way I feel because football, I played football. I played football in leagues with no pads. So, you know, we played to tackle football leagues with no pads for a few years. Um, you know, I, I, it's a physical game and I think the players can handle the hand fighting and sometimes the chippiness and stuff like that. I think we should let them figure it out and not let the referees decide it. And the biggest thing for me that drives me crazy above everything else is when you get in like a third and 20 and the team is clearly struggling and then they give them a ticky tack holding or a ticky tack, uh, illegal contact which resets you with a first down that drives me up the wall. Like I feel like the referees need to understand the concept and where they are at that point in the game. So for me, you, you guys could jump in. I, I'd rather let them play, let the players figure it out. I have not seen players complaining. So I think they agree with me. I think they're just letting it go. I think they see what the referees are doing and they're going to figure it out on the field. I hope that's the way we go in the Super Bowl.
0: That being yeah. said, I think the quarterbacks need to be wrapped in bubble wrap and put a protective bubble around them because I hate watching terrible quarterback play in the NFL. Um, that might be just because I've watched my Bears play so many weeks in a row. But uh, I, I don't I want the quarterbacks not to be allowed to get hit after the flag or after the play and all that. stuff. I, I, they, they need to be in a protective wrap completely, J.B.
2: Yeah, and and I I do agree with Johnny. I like that they're not calling all the tiki tack stuff. I like that they're letting them play. Um, you know, obviously you want to see the game play out. You don't want to see tiki tack penalties, game stoppages when you don't need to, especially in the Super Bowl. Especially this year, we lost viewership due to, you know, COVID and and other things. I mean, I won't get into the political side of things of people not watching football. But I think they want they got two two guys here, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, that they're featuring in the Super Bowl on national TV that they want to draw viewers to this game and by having the referees stop it on on illegal hands to the face penalties every five minutes is is going to make people bored of it and say see this is why i didn't watch it so i agree with johnny there they are doing it they are letting things go and i think it's a good thing as long as they're calling it both ways and they're not letting things go that have a a significant outcome on the result of the game you know if, if there's a big play at the end of the game you have to call it yeah it, it i think it has to be consistent but it has to be you know not where it makes the game or or has that big of effect on the outcome of the game
1: they were that to do that at the end of your game last week right of course because yep. it was a jersey pull The only thing that everybody in the building can see is a Jersey pull. They, they didn't want to call it. If you, if you recall, it was a late flag because of the exact reason they're, they're hearing that directive in their head. They're hearing, it's gotta be obvious. It's gotta be obvious. They're definitely getting that from up top. You can see it because that was an obvious penalty and they still didn't want to call it. So that shows you the way it's been, but that was one that they had to, they didn't have a choice. Everybody in the building could see the Jersey getting pulled halfway across the field.
0: All right, I'm building a showdown lineup, right? Because that's the DFS, uh, DraftKings plays this week. Rob Gronkowski, he's going to catch a touchdown in this game, right? I, I, he's got to catch a touchdown in this game, Rob. I mean, we're, Gronk came out of retirement to for this moment, for this time. Gronk has got to catch a touchdown in this game. Am I right or am I wrong on that? JB, you're the Bucks expert.
2: I, I don't think so, to be honest with you. No. I think that he'll be targeted <laughs> in the end zone. He'll be targeted in the end zone once or twice. I don't think he catches a touchdown pass. I think he's going to be a blocker for a lot of this game. I think that, you know, when it gets down to the red zone, we've seen Cam Brate be the guy that that they lean on, and obviously Mike Evans, as as he has been all year long. So I think Gronk is more of a complementary role. He'll get a target or two. So, you know, you have a shot or two of him catching that touchdown, but we haven't seen them connect in these past few shots that he's got there. So...
0: Well, you've I don't been think muted. you've been muted. You've been muted. Johnny, go ahead. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm right.
1: That, <laughs> that was so great. Wes was so excited. He was like, yeah, we got to go with Gronk. And Jamie's like, no, I really <laughs> I know, I know. That. I muted him. He didn't
0: even hear a word. It's going to be muted oh, on the podcast.
1: Oh my God, that was hilarious. Now, listen, I, I, I honestly am going to back you up, Wes. It's funny, but it's a little bit of an indirect way. My recommendation to you would be, if you look at the millionaire competition here, the showdown, on DraftKings, if you really feel that way, kind of like what I said about pace, I didn't agree with Trubisky, but at least he went all in. If you really feel that way about Gronkowski, you should make him your captain. I'm being I'm being serious because you're going to be in a field here. There's a the field, I believe, of six hundred and fifty thousand entries. Yeah, six hundred and fifty three thousand entries. If you want to win a million, so how many people are going to have Pat Mahomes as a captain? Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Those six guys are obvious. Everyone's going to have them. So if you want to go against the green and you want to make a lineup with Gronkowski on top, then you go with Gronkowski on top. Then you go with Brady, Mahomes, Hill, Evans, and one of the Bucks. Maybe you'll be that guy that stands out in the field. So if you really feel that way, you should go with it.
0: I think I always stand out in the field. And one of the prop bets is that Gronk has over... 30 uh receiving yards and that's actually in a negative number so that should be a good bet a good little wager for my uh building my draft kings lineup what about uh sammy under. Watkins, jb what, under. what about no it's over. <laughs> it's over it's over uh what about sammy watkins jb you you mentioned something about him yesterday in some
2: text thread i was in with you or something under <laughs> I, I heard you i heard you <laughs> Well, I think that, you know, no, and it's under for Sammy Watkins, too, because I think that if the case is that they're going to put Jamel Dean in a safety on Tyreek Hill, then it's going to be Colton Davis one on one with Sammy Watkins. And I like Carlton Davis in that matchup all day long, especially a, a limited gimpy Sammy Watkins coming off of an injury. I'll take Carlton Davis one on one with him all day long. So I, I don't think Sammy Watkins does much at all in this game. If you're looking for a complimentary guy, it's Hardman because he has the opportunity to be a playmaker. I think both of those guys aren't going to do much. But if somebody could beat the Bucks over the top or on one of those, you know, little jet sweep type plays, it, it's going to be Hardman. It's not going to be Watkins.
1: JB, I'm- that's your hail mary play right there, yeah. right? You you should do that. You should go. I mean, it's $10 entry. It's a million dollars for first place. Put Hardman as your captain. If you have that gut feeling because no one's going to do that because Watkins is back. Some of the reports are already saying Hardman should take a back role. What if Hardman is the guy because Watkins can't do anything but draws attention? He gets a little bit of attention on him and then Hardman gets out there and he breaks loose. If he breaks loose twice, let's just say, right? And it's, it's not that high scoring of a game, but Hardman happens to be the lucky guy. Who scores two touchdowns? You—that's how you make your big money right there in a the showdown when everybody's got Mahomes or Brady as their captain.
2: Yep, absolutely.
0: I—I was everybody. I hear the buzz and the chatter all about Ronald Jones as well. Uh, but Johnny, I, I think that it's beyond a shadow of doubt that that's his Leonard Fournette's backfield. They cannot trust Ronald Jones to be back there. And if Tampa Bay is playing from behind, like I think they're going to do, Leonard Fournette is going to get a lot of work. Ronald Jones is only 2,200. Only 2,200, but I can't see building a lineup around him.
1: No, you can't build a lineup around Ronald Jones. I I need JB's help on this one. To me, right, I I feel like I can watch running backs and I know what I'm seeing. To me, I still think Fournette stinks. I, I I, I watch every play. I watch every single play of the playoffs. I watch them during the year when they were sprinkling them in and out of the lineup. He, I don't like his vision. I, I, they show us plays from behind, from the quarterback level, and I see him missing holes. I see him running right into the back of offensive linemen. He kind of runs weird. He runs like a guy who doesn't like he, – he's not athletic. He doesn't run the way that he used to. It's the injuries. It's not so much him, right? Because I remember in college he was just – he was so strong and so fluid. He was absolutely dominant, which is why the Jaguars took him as high as they did in the first place. But now I'm talking about the beat-up older – Leonard Fournette. He doesn't look good to me, but he's making things happen. He absolutely is. I take my hat off. However, I see him dropping easy balls. I, I, I'm not blind. I see him dropping three balls a game that should be caught. JB, tell me, how is he getting it done and what how is he past Ronald Jones and become this guy for the Bucks?
2: Well, he's passed Ronald Jones because Ronald Jones was injured. Yeah, Ronald Jones missed the Washington game. He was banged up before that. Then he was just kind of getting his feet under him, literally, for the New Orleans game. And then last week, I mean, yeah, Leonard Fournette outproduced Ronald Jones, but Leonard Fournette had 12 carries and Ronald Jones had 10. So they did split the rushing workload. Fournette did more with it. I think it's just a matter of, you know, when the hole opened up, you know, the offensive line won their matchup or happened to win their matchup on the couple of times that Fournette broke some good runs. That being said, to Wes's point, if you think that the Bucs are going to be playing from behind in this game, and a lot of people seem to be thinking that, then it is Fournette that's a pass catching back. Ronald Jones has no, Tom Brady has no faith in Ronald Jones as a pass catching back. He's had struggles with it. For the last couple of years. And that's something he's really going to need to work on. If he wants to be the the alpha dog top back next year. But I think that it is going to be Fournette. And we saw it last week. He had five receptions. He didn't do much with it. But he had five receptions last week. And that's what makes him the better play. Quote unquote of the running backs. I think Ronald Jones outrushes him this week. Ronald Jones is the guy. Who can break the 60 yard run. If he gets loose. So he's the more explosive back. I think he can get hot. Easier than Leonard Fournette at this point, Johnny, for the same reasons that you said, Fournette doesn't look the same after his injuries as he used to look back when he was younger. So I think Jones does get more carries because I think he does spring a couple of them. You can run on this Kansas City team, so Ronald Jones's running style can break free for a couple of nice rushes. I think he out carries him, but Fournette obviously is the receiving back, so it's it's going to be a shared backfield back there. It's tough to just pick one. I think they're both going to have good roles this week.
1: So those are some sneaky plays that we're dishing out to people here. I mean, you got the possibility of playing Gronk as your showdown captain. You got the possibility of Ronald Jones, Fournette, Hardman. I mean, I I don't think if it goes down to an obvious one and it's an obvious lineup that wins the showdown, it's going to be split millions of ways, right? There's going to be thousands of people that have the same lineup. And if you're going to win in a big field like that, you got to do something different. So that's some options for our listeners. I mean, we don't, anybody can tell you to put Mahomes or Kelsey up there but you know, you come to the Fantasy Magnus and John Frisella show and the big I, I this is the big 3 episode because in the NBA it was Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen to start and then all of a sudden after that everybody went to the big 3. They went to Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce <laughs> and then they went to Tim Duncan and Ginobili and Tony Parker and that's what you got here today. You got the big 3 show with JB and Wes and Johnny Fro. I said so earlier I in the beat podcast, Tim Duncan. Yeah.
0: You, oh, yes, you, I don't know if you want to be Tim Duncan. Uh, C-E-H, CEH had a, I said CEH had a big game last time. I don't know what I was looking at because it, he didn't. He, he only rushed 11 times for 37 yards. I think he had one catch for two yards. Only finished with five DraftKings points last time. I think I was looking at the game he had the prior week against Las Vegas earlier. I don't know. I've had that stuck in my head too all week long. So I've been in my calculator. My CEH button has been a little bit stuck on the wrong thing, I think, is what it was. Uh, so guys, w- we talked about, our lineups. Uh, help me build one here. I got one. I'm ready to build one uh, in my captain spot. I don't know if I want to stick Gronk in there, but man, that, that sure does sound appealing, John, whenever I think about it. I've been sticking Leonard Fournette in there, and I've always been like one player shy of being able to, who I, who I really love that lineup. So maybe if I stick Gronk in that captain spot, uh, but he's if I
1: stick Gronk in the captain spot, he's only going to get like 10 points. That Not if he gets two touchdowns. There, there's always a possibility, no matter who it is, as long as it's a regular player, there's a chance they could score two touchdowns. If they, I'll score give one, you
2: twenty to one odds that he doesn't score two touchdowns. I'm
1: not taking it. I'm not <laughs> taking it. <laughs> There's no way I'm taking it. I've been against Gronk all year. I think it was a show, you know. I, I I thought the whole thing from the beginning was, you know, let's put Brady and Gronk together, get everybody, you know, all riled up about the team and have some leadership. I, that's I, I believe in all that stuff. But as a productive player, I really thought it was all a show, which is why I had zero shares of Gronk in fantasy the entire year, which worked out well. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to go that route, though, if you're going to go Wes's way and you're going to play against the green, the way that it has to work out for you to get all the money is your play action on the one yard line and Gronk gets his one touchdown there. And then you get another one where Godwin and Evans are getting all the attention and he just gets loose for a second and Brady threads the needle and he gets his second touchdown and two out of the four touchdowns that Tampa Bay gets are Gronk. And then the only way you can do it, Wes, is if you put him with all the obvious guys. There's no way you could have like a Gronk lineup with a Hardman or with a Watkins. That's not going to work. It would have to be okay. like Gronk with Mahomes, with Brady, with Kelsey, with Hill, and with one of the Bucs superstar players. I, I think that's the only way it could work out.
0: I was able to sneak all those guys in there, and now I'm on my last flex spot for 2100 JB. And what do you know it?
1: Ronald Jones is 2200
2: Dog, man. 2200. I almost had him. I almost had him. Oh, all. man. <laughs> I almost had him all.
1: I oh, guarantee man. you they knew that. That's, that's not an accident. Right, you, you guys have to understand what DraftKings and Vegas, like I was saying, the amount of inside information that these guys have and how sophisticated these algorithms are. These algorithms are out of this world built by the smartest people you could possibly imagine and the smartest computers you could possibly imagine. They I guarantee you put the Gronk lineup in and said, if we give it with Ronald Jones, not only does it have a chance to win, a lot of people are going to do it. It's going to make it too easy. That, that was the cutoff. They build these salaries building it on different lineup combinations and knowing which way is it too obvious and too good of a lineup. So that's not a, an accident that you see that breaking point at $100 in salary right there.
0: Okay, so if I take Tom Brady out, who's a in my head, he's a 20-something-ish player on DraftKings, right? That's how many points he's going to get. And I stick a Chris Godwin in there, who's right there at that 20-point mark too. Or should I go with a Mike Evans, who's a little bit cheaper? I then have 3300 if I if I, look that that puts me at the Chiefs defense, I can get Ronald Jones or I can get Ronald Jones. I can get the Bucks defense. I can do a lot of things with that. Uh, what do you think, JB? If I who should I play a Godwin or an Evans or should I go with Fournette?
2: I'll tell you this: I love Evans and I love Fournette to both score touchdowns this game. Uh, more so, Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is going to show out this game. Obviously, if we win, it's probably going to be Tom Brady that gets the MVP but I think Mike Evans is going to have an MVP-type game if the Buccaneers are going to win this game. Mike Evans has battled so much in his life. When he was nine years old, he was sleeping upstairs in his house when his father was murdered. His father, who was abusive to his mother, was murdered by his uncle. So I, I the guys just had such a, a troubled childhood growing up without his father and, and you know just being in a house for something that traumatic he's built himself out of that he's a pillar in the community he does so much for charity and for the city of tampa he's such a great guy he's gonna come out and ball out this game and i wouldn't be making a lineup without him in it that's right.
1: jb that's a jb mike evans captain lineup right there all the way how to do way. it i don't know jb i feel i feel some biases coming through because you're a Tampa Bay guy. I, I When I look at Evans, I worry about the end of that game last week. That's just my opinion. He, he is a superstar caliber player. One thing Wes and I give him a lot of credit for, those injuries were injuries earlier in the year that a lot of guys would have missed games. They wouldn't have played through them, so hats off 100%. He's to been credit,
2: doing it his whole year, his whole career, Johnny. His whole career he's been playing, toughing out injuries.
1: Yeah, so he definitely did that. So hats off to him for that. However, I, I've seen it before, too. And and who's that one corner? Is it Lattimore? Who's the one guy that every time he gets in a battle with him, he always mm-hmm. comes up short? Is it yeah. Lattimore? Yeah. That yep. worries me. I, I think the, I think those are toughness issues in terms of performing against the top-level teams in the top spots. And he could have had such a monster game last week, and he didn't. He ended up having a moderate game. Those are the things I worry about with him. And I'm not talking about, like, he's not going to contribute at all. I'm just saying between him and Godwin. I feel like Godwin is that technician. And I've been with him all year between picking between these two guys. So, for me, I'm going to lead Godwin. I think he's going to play play-to-play a little more consistent, a little bit better than Evans. So, if I have to lean betw- between the two, I'm going to take Chris Godwin.
0: All right. I, I, I don't like my Gronk lineup at all. I, I ended up with a Gronk, Brady, Godwin, Hill, Fournette, and Evans lineup. I think all I did was... Stick Tampa Bay Buccaneers in there. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got, except Tyreek Hill. I didn't. I don't like that line. I'm going I'll, I'll. figure out a way to get it. I don't know who I'll put in there at twenty one hundred. Boy, I wish Ronald Jones would have fit in there. That'd have been perfect, JB. That'd have been perfect right there. Because if anybody's gonna have that big, big explosive play outside of Evans on that team, I do think that it could be a Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. It just. It, I don't think he can outrun. I don't think he can outrun this uh, Kansas city chief defense. That's the thing. I always keep circling back around to whenever I think about Ronald Jones breaking off a, a big run. I just don't know that he can outrun that Kansas city chief defense.
1: Where does Antonio Brown come into all this? Cause it, it does That's seem like he's going to play just like, it seems like Watkins is going to play. Uh, how does he factor in to the game itself and also into these fantasy possible lineups? JB, you, you got that one.
2: Yeah. He was a full participant in practice. Uh, uh, the the final practice on Thursday, but he's still listed as questionable. And Cam Braid is actually still listed as questionable, and he didn't practice with a back issue. I think they both play um, if Braid is still limited by the back. And I kind of undersold it all week thinking it's just maintenance resting him up. But if that back does bother him, then it does put Gronk a little bit more in play. Um, but I think if Antonio is limited at all with that knee injury, I think he's gonna play. I don't know how big of a factor. Brady likes to go to him on some big plays when he needs them. I don't think he's 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 gonna factor in enough to be a part of your DFS lineup. I think that, you know, if he's on and off the field due to health issues or playing twelve personnel even, I mean that, that third receiver hasn't been getting as many snaps in the playoffs because they use the 12 personnel with the two tight ends so it's going to be tough it's really going to hinge on on braid i think if braid is healthy and he's out there for them to play 12 personnel then it's going to be a a antonio scotty miller tyler johnson kind of mishmash there as that third receiver so I, i think it's evans and godwin in the running game and and i don't think the rest will factor into dfs very much
1: you know, as we circle back and we kind of round things up, not only for the show, but for the season, couple of, I want to tip my cap to Wes on a couple of things here. One is usually it's either me or JB getting Wes to switch over his opinion, but it appears now that we've gotten toward the end of the show and the end of the season, JB was just uh, getting a little bit convinced about Gronk there by Wes. So that's a, that's a rare occurrence. And and we, we tip our cap to Wes on that. But what I want to say full circle is that original draft that we did, When we did the show before the season, the, here we go to the standings. I pulled it up myself, JB Barry out of 12 teams ended up coming in ninth place with a total score. It was like rotisserie style, basically best ball, uh, of 1964 points, which was almost basically when you look at it point for point, we basically tied myself and JB, because I had just barely over 2000 points, which is, you know, give or take one game. Or one, one, a couple of performances there, and I came in seventh. So hats off to Loafin' it, who came in fourth place with two thousand two hundred thirty-four points. You actually were the champion of this chat, my friend. Well,
0: uh, that's not surprising to me because. <laughs> You guys you guys started putting all of your information into my head, and I was taking it all in, and I was able to do well in one of the drafts that I was in anyway, uh, and it was towards the end. Plus, you guys got me out of my comfort zone with all those sirens and bells and everything like that. I didn't know what I was doing. You talk about being confused that day. I had no clue. I was just hitting a button and hoping things didn't explode. It's all I was hoping that day. But that you guys, was a classic
1: have- Columbo, right? Yeah. Columbo, <laughs> the detective, he always made it seem like he had no idea what was going on. And the people would be like, this guy's an idiot. This detective's never going to solve the case. And he would always solve it at the end. That was Wes. Wes was mm-hmm. pretending like he didn't know what all those sounds were. The bombs were going off. Meanwhile, he was pressing a special button and making all those noises, distracting us and laughing. And then it go- he goes ahead and he wins out of the three of us. I know what the.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I went opposite that draft of everything I thought I needed to do that year going into the fantasy football season. That draft was my opposite draft. Hey, let me let me ask this as we wrap this whole show up here. And great job by both of you guys. And I appreciate all the hard work you've done all year long. I, I really do. I appreciate all your insight. I appreciate your friendship. All those things that go along with it. I've got to get to making chili. Right, that's that's I've got to have chili on Super Bowl. I also have the hot dogs. I've got wings. I've got chips. I've got dips. I've got Mountain Dews. I've got Oreos. I've got everything I think I need. I don't think that I've forgotten anything. What are y'all putting on the table? What is y'all's spread there, John Priscella, of what you're gonna have on Super Bowl? And don't don't give me all your little vegetables and everything. You've got a pregnant (laughs) wife in the house. You need to have cakes. You need to have pickles, ice cream. Uh, don't 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 give me all your fruits and vegetables this time around.
1: No, no, I, de- I definitely won't. We only have one plate of vegetables, just the basic, you know, with the carrots and the and the broccoli, just one. And that's out of all the plates. So I agree with you. We can't go crazy with that. Shout out to Uncle Giuseppe's out here at Mass Pequal Park, which is a great uh, place to go and get your stuff for the games and also your groceries. We went there last night. So I got the barbecue wings. I got the boneless chicken breasts. I got the pizza bagels. I got the pizza rolls. I got the game cake. So I have a, a Super Bowl oriented cake. Oh. Um, I got brownies coming in. Homemade brownies are coming in. Uh, I got, I got at least all together. I have about 16 plates and here's the funny part. We're scheduled for more snow tomorrow. You're in New York. I, nobody may show up. It may just be me and the wife. So 16 plates going in his belly right here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> JB,
0: what about well, you? Did, well, did you bre- buy any special Tampa Bay Buccaneers
2: dog biscuits for Layla or anything? No, but she does have a Buccaneers jersey, so I'll tweet out her in her jersey tomorrow when she's ready that. for the I game. I saw it already. I saw one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I it's, it is going to be just me and my wife here, you know, where we've been very COVID conscious, and I have a 95-year-old grandma, so we were invited to a Super Bowl party that one of our friends was having that... Is probably going to be like 15 to 20 people and just we're not comfortable getting into gatherings like that. You know, small, close gatherings, you know, do you stay safe? Hopefully everybody, you know, is smart and stays safe. So it is going to be my wife and I here with our puppy. And to me, it's like I've been on the same spot on the couch with the same hoodie on for the past six games that we've won. So I need to stay there and do the same thing that I've done for the same games that we've won. So yes, you do. I, I am going to make my chili, Wes. I, I make a phenomenal chili that my wife loves. So I'm gonna make my chili tomorrow morning. She's gonna make her pigs in a blanket tomorrow morning, and that's gonna be the mainstay of what we're eating. You know, we didn't go too crazy because it is just gonna be the two of us, and and my fat self is about fifty pounds overweight as it is. So you know, we'll have the the chili. We'll have the pigs, and you know we'll. We'll go from there. I think, you know, we'll have chips and, and salsa and whatnot to pick on. And, and I had to go out and get more Michelob Ultra because that's what I drank for the past six weeks, also. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. And, and I'll, I'll say this real quick. In the, in the beginning of the Green Bay game, I had gotten some Modelos that week before. So I sat, I popped a Modelo and we were losing. And I was like, all right, I finished my Modelo real quick. I grabbed a Mick Ultra and we took the lead. We scored the touchdown. Oh, and I'm like, all right, I guess I got to keep drinking Mikulcha.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how the superstitions fall in there. All right, so I'm going to go with. The Tampa Bay, uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs winning by two scores uh, before it's all said and done. I don't have a final score. I think that the game is decided by uh, about nine points or so. I I think that they're just out of reach of having Tom Brady be able to make a comeback at the end. So I'm going to go with that one, maybe like a uh, a 31-23 or a 31-22 score somewhere, however that math works out. But I I do think that they cover the spread. John Frisella, you said?
1: I said 31-21. I've been saying it for two weeks, uh, but I will say this. Like I said earlier, if you want to win in betting, make your one pick. I think that one pick is the under, right? It's 71% on the over right now. Because I agree with JB. I am very concerned about the tackles for the Chiefs. That's the one side of it that makes me think devil's advocate. Um, I am taking the Chiefs. I'll stick with it. Like I said, they're my gravy chain, 31-21. However, the right play of the four possible major plays is the under.
2: JB? I agree. I agree the under's the play. I think the game can go either way. Like I mentioned before, when I laid this out preseason, I had the Bucks losing the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. Um, I think that's very possible. Obviously, the Chiefs are the favorite for a reason. They're the best team in football. But, you know, my heart and my head, my heart obviously says the Bucks are gonna win. I have to. I've been waiting for this 18 years. You know, sure. I really want them to win the Super Bowl, so I desire that. Uh, but I do think that. Especially with the two starting sa- the two starting tackles out for Kansas City, the Bucks will be able to make Mahomes uncomfortable enough to win the game twenty seven twenty four. Which also speaks to that under they're going to be uh, he's going to be uncomfortable. Brady's going to need to settle in. I think, like Johnny said, if you're going to play one play, the play is the under. But hey, twenty seven twenty four Buccaneers, let's go Bucks, baby!
1: You know, what's funny? <laughs> Let's go. You know, it's funny. JB and I did not discuss the score beforehand, and we both came up with 51. So there are pools where they ask you to pick the final score of the game, like the pool I'm in with the spreads. One of the tiebreakers is the final score of the game. So for our listeners, I mean, that's without even talking to each other. And Wes was in the same area without talking to each other. 51 looks like the number. If you're going to lay down a number and you have to guess the final score total, that's the pick 51.
0: Yeah, that's a that's really good. Great show by you guys. I appreciate you wrapping up the Pro Bowl like that for each and every listener we have out there. Now that Super Bowl special has been special, and this year has been special here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network for fantasy football. We'll be moving in some different directions coming up here in the future, but I just want to make sure everybody knows that they can follow J B on Twitter at Fantasy Coach J B. They can follow. John Frisella on uh Twitter as well at Legend Sports 7. You guys thought I was gonna do that, didn't you? You thought I was gonna say John Legend somewhere in there, and I didn't that. <laughs> that's
1: end it man. You gotta end it with John Legend. Going out on high note.
0: At Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at it. I keep hovering around 5K, JP. I shared it with you. I hit five, I've hit 5K at least three times this week, and then it dips back under. Hit five K, dips back under. I, three times at least it's this conspiracy. week. Conspiracy. it's a total conspiracy theory don't even get me started on that Uh, but we appreciate you listening to the Fantasy Impact Today Network you can subscribe to the show, make sure you do so leave a review, leave a comment, all those kind of things that you can do, but more importantly than all those actions fit fam, we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today